Welcome to Native New Help. Let's get started. Native New Health will address specific health concerns that plague our people. So the first step is regular exercise. Try this at home. It's up to you what you like to put on, but it's very simple and quick. Exercise regularly. We cannot emphasize this enough. And welcome to Native New Health, an exciting program designed for Native people by Native people. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Native New Health. I'm Ed Dunn. And I'm Gina Gabosh. And today's episode is on nutrition and your health. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered if it makes any difference what kind of food you eat? Oh, uh, yes, Gina. Good nutrition is essential to achieving the best quality of life and health. But poor or inadequate nutrition will have an adverse effect on our bodies. There is an old saying that goes like this. Make your food your medicine, or someday you may have to make your medicine your food. You see, when we understand what nutrition really is, it will help us not only be healthy and strong, but provide us with a quality of life that will bring us happiness and usefulness all the way around, in our family, at work, and in our community. The great creator made an awesome variety of delicious foods for us to eat and enjoy. So let's explore the value of good food and how it can become a wonderful source of good nutrition to keep our body strong and healthy. Today we are going to divide our study into three major parts. Number one, basic nutrients and where they are found. Number two, basic food groups and what they contain. And number three, how can we put them together on our plates? The Wikipedia library tells us that human nutrition refers to the provision of essential nutrients necessary to support human life and health. Now, there are seven major classes of nutrients, and they are carbohydrates, fats, fibers, proteins, vitamins, minerals, and water. These nutrient classes are categorized in either macronutrients, which are needed in relatively large amounts, or micronutrients needed in smaller quantities. The macronutrients are carbohydrates, fats, fiber, proteins, and water, and provide structural material and energy or calories for our body. On the other hand, the micronutrients are minerals and vitamins and are required in the body for other reasons. Among many things, they help us with the chemical reactions that promote proper growth and development. Well, Gina, how about discovering what each of these essential nutrients do for us and where we can find them so that we can be sure to make them a part of our regular diet? Okay, Ed, but before we do that, let's share with our audience that after much study and personal experience, we both recommend that you go first for the source of food nature has given us. You see, we have learned that the best food is found in its original form before it is consumed by the animal kingdom. Most animals we eat feed on vegetables. So why eat secondhand nutrients when you can get it at the source? That's right, Gina. What we mean is plant foods such as 
Beans, legumes, grains, nuts and seeds, uh, vegetables and fruits should be our base diet and then, if need be, use other traditional clean meat sources such as wild game and fish. For instance, it is now an irrefutable scientific fact that, believe it or not, we can get an adequate amount of protein by eating plant-based foods without depending on meats or dairy sources. Millions of people around the world are now eating just that. But now let's begin with the macronutrient food groups, and the first one on the list is carbohydrates. Well, what is the role of carbohydrates in the body? Well, first, they provide fuel to the body, especially during exercise. This fuel spares the protein from being used up during exercise, thus preserving muscle mass. And very importantly, it provides fuel for the brain and nervous system. Here are some of the commonly used food sources that contain carbohydrates. Grains. Choose mostly whole grains for added benefits. Dairy. Choose low-fat or non-fat most often. Fruit. Choose whole fruits more often than fruit juices. Now, let's take another look at an important nutrient that we need to eat, but in smaller amounts, and that is fats. What role do fats play in the body? They provide an energy reserve, and fats also protect vital organs. They provide insulation, and that's why those who live in sub-zero temperatures need more fat in their diet than people who live in hotter climates. Fats and oils also transport the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K throughout the body to be used when needed. Commonly used food sources for fats are found in oils, nuts, seeds, meat, fish, and dairy products. The next nutrient is protein. What is the role of protein in the body? Well, let's find out. Well, protein makes up the body's tissue structure, such as muscle, hair, skin, nails, bones, tendons, ligaments, and blood plasma. Again, it is important to note here that it is now clearly understood that a plant-based diet can adequately supply protein, support pregnancy, childhood and athletic endeavors, and lower the risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. That's right, Gina. In fact, the latest recommendation from the American Cancer Society we are told that we all must choose a healthy diet with emphasis on plant foods to maintain a healthy weight. So, don't refuse your veggies. They could actually save your life and health. Food sources for protein are nuts, grains, meat, fish, dairy, eggs, and legumes, such as beans. Okay, now listen up. Here's an essential nutrient that most people don't consume enough of, and that is water. We should drink five glasses of water daily to keep our body hydrated and slick and clean on the inside. So just what does water do for you? What is its function in the body? Almost 60% of the body is made up of water. Without sufficient water, our bodies would dehydrate and dry up. Water maintains the body's fluid balance, thus helping to transport nutrients and oxygen throughout the body. Water moistens tissues, such as those in your mouth and eyes and nose. Water also protects all body organs and tissues and lubricates the joints. It helps prevent constipation. It regulates body temperature by keeping the skin moist through sweating. That can also mean less wrinkles, by the way. 
But water is essential in flushing out toxins and waste products, which lessens the burden on the kidneys and liver. Here is another very important nutrient that helps keep our entire digestive system running properly, and that is dietary fiber. Dietary fiber is not completely absorbed in humans, but it is supposed to be like that because you see, it helps eliminate the waste from the body. It is like the broom of our intestinal tract. Where can you find fiber, you ask? Whole grains, beans and other legumes, fruits, especially plums, prunes and figs, and vegetables are good sources of dietary fiber. Fiber is thought to reduce the risk of colon cancer. Additionally, fiber may also lessen insulin spikes and reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes. And that is critical in a native culture, don't you think? Definitely, Gina. Now let's continue with the next class of nutrients, or what we call micronutrients. As we mentioned earlier, micronutrients are the minerals and vitamins so important to our health. Dietary minerals are the chemical elements required by living organisms. So you and I really need these micronutrients. Minerals make up one of the four groups of essential nutrients that the body requires to perform functions necessary for life. The other three groups are vitamins, essential fatty acids, and essential amino acids. They are essential because the body does not produce them. Following are the five major dietary minerals and where you can find them. Magnesium is found in oats, buckwheat, tofu, nuts, green leafy vegetables, legumes, and chocolate. Phosphorus is found in cheese, egg yolk, milk, meat, fish, poultry, and whole grain cereals. Potassium is a very common electrolyte essential for the heart and nerve health and is found in bananas, avocados, citrus fruits, vegetables, potatoes, legumes, fish, and mushrooms. Calcium is found in milk, yogurt, cheese, seafood, leafy greens, legumes, fruits such as oranges and dried figs, and some nuts such as almonds and seeds such as sesame seeds. Blackstrap molasses also contains calcium. Sodium is very common in most foods, typically as sodium chloride or common salt. Okay, now let's go even smaller. Let's look at the lesser minerals, or what we call trace minerals. The trace minerals that serve a specific biochemical function in the body are iodine, cobalt, copper, iron, which keeps your blood cells healthy, manganese, molybdenum, selenium and zinc oh my goodness that was a mouthful but don't worry too much as where to find these because by eating a variety of foods from the different food groups we talked about you will be able to obtain the necessary trace minerals finally we have the vitamins a commonly known nutrient a vitamin is an organic compound and a vital nutrient that we require in limited amounts but are necessary to have in the diet to maintain good health. There are 13 vitamins universally recognized at the present time. For the most part, vitamins are obtained with food, but a few are obtained by other means. For example, vitamin D is synthesized in the skin with the help of the natural ultraviolet wavelength of sunlight. Vitamins are classified by their biological and chemical activity, not their structure. Vitamin A, retinol, is found in cod liver oil, ripe yellow fruit, leafy vegetables, fish, carrots, pumpkin, squash, spinach. 
Vitamin B1, thiamine, is found in rice bran, eggs, oatmeal, potatoes. Vitamin B2, riboflavin, is found in meat, dairy products, and eggs, green beans, asparagus, popcorn. Vitamin B3, niacin, is found in meat, fish, eggs, and grains. Vitamin B5, panosinic acid, is found in meat, whole grains, broccoli, avocados. Vitamin B6, pyridoxine, is found in meat, vegetables, tree nuts, bananas, dairy products. Vitamin B7, biotin, is found in meat, liver, peanuts, leafy green vegetables, dairy products, and eggs. Vitamin B9, or folic acid, can be found in leafy vegetables, pasta, bread, cereal, and liver. Vitamin B12, cobalamins, found in meat, fish, poultry, eggs, and milk. Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, can be found in citrus and most fresh fruits and vegetables or liver. Vitamin D, calciferol, found in cod liver oil, eggs, liver, mushrooms. Vitamin E, tocopherol, found in wheat germ oil and unrefined vegetable oils, many fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. And vitamin K1, philoquinone, found in leafy green vegetables, egg yolks, and liver. It is important to note that vitamin and mineral deficiencies may result in a variety of disease conditions. So let's be sure that they become an essential part of our diet. But remember, when you eat a wide variety of foods, you will have all these vitamins and minerals you need in your diet. Uh, my name is George Guthrie. I'm a, a family physician, board certified, also a certified diabetes educator, have a master's of public health degree in nutrition. I got interested in uh, lifestyle medicine, nutrition, exercise, those types of things as a teenager, I guess. Started to develop a weight problem and uh, started an interest in that and maintained it really through uh, college and uh, medical school. I did my residency at a small community hospital in the Chicago area and a fellow by the name of Don Bennett would come out, volunteer in the residency and teach us. His job, interestingly enough, was uh, Dr. Drug. He was head of the American Medical Association's uh, drug evaluations. And in, that, in those days, they had a, a book they put out every year to try to give unbiased uh, information on the drugs. And he would lecture us in true Socratic style. He would say, Mrs. Jones is 40 years of age. She's got a little joint pain that bothers her when she first gets up in the morning, goes away after 15 minutes, uh, and she seems to be fine. What are you going to do for her? And one of us would raise our hand and say, uh, ibuprofen. He'd shake his head and another one would say, uh, uh, acetaminophen. And he'd say, no. And then we'd say, he certainly doesn't want to prescribe a narcotic. And he, his response caught me every time I finally learned the lesson. He would say, no, what is the non-drug therapy? So I was taught early to look for non-drug therapy. But the turning point for me the big turning point was uh, while I was practicing on the island of Guam and I had an Italian businessman that came in with uh, some skin lesions. I wasn't sure what they were, but they looked like cholesterol deposits. Did the laboratory work. He had diabetes, didn't know he had it. His lipids were terrible, just like we expected with his skin cholesterol lesions. Blood pressure was up and he was obviously obese. When I offered him uh, insulin and told him he needed it, his fasting blood sugars were over 200. 
he uh, erupted, a veritable Vesuvius, Italian volcano. When it finally calmed down, I said to him, you know, I've been thinking about this. If, as long as you do what I tell you to do and your blood sugars come down, I won't say anything about medicine, I won't say anything about insulin. He said, Doc, I'll do it. And a year later, the guy had lost 60 pounds, was on no medications, uh, diabetes was gone, lipids were normalized, and that taught me that something could happen. I didn't have to just manage this stuff into infinity. We could actually uh, uh, repair it. It would go away. So that was the exciting point for me. And I now work at a family medicine residency teaching uh, young residents uh, about lifestyle and family medicine. I mean, we do orthopedics and OB and those types of things as well. But my goal is to teach them about how lifestyle can really change the chronic disease. It needs to be a part of their thinking. Uh, harking back to my uh, training, uh, what's the non-drug therapy? And often it is much more effective. So that's the joy of my life. I'm also enjoying uh, the patients that are coming to see me. I, in our practice, I seem to have more new patients than the other faculty. And it just more patients are coming because they want this type of a thing. I'm very pleased to see the openness in the public the desire for lifestyle medicine, interacting over nutrition and uh, these uh, types of things, as well as in my young residents. When they uh, come out of medical school, they're much more interested, I think, over the years in the same type of thing. Now it's time to discover the basic recommended food groups for proper nutrition. If we take a look at the present dietary pattern all across the North American population in almost every age and gender group, people have eating patterns that are low in vegetables, fruits, whole grains, dairy, seafood, and good oils. However, they are high in refined greens, added sugars, saturated fats, sodium, and for some age gender groups, high in the meats, poultry, and eggs. Hmm. We'd better do something about that. As a result of these deficiencies, in the 2015 to 2020 Dietary Guidelines for North Americans, there are shifts recommended to align with healthy eating patterns, where most food should come from the basic food groups. So here is the second part of our study. The basic food groups, vegetables, fruits, grains, dairy, proteins, and fats. So let's begin with vegetables. With few exceptions, the population in general does not eat enough vegetables. Well, what happened to the vegetables on your plate? Therefore, we need a shift to consume more vegetables in our diet. This could be as simple as choosing, as a part of every main meal, green salads or vegetable as a side dish and incorporating veggies into your snacks. Go ahead and carry a little plastic Ziploc bag with cut up carrots, celery and broccoli to your work. It will do you lots of good. Now let's talk about fruit. The current intake of fruits on average is below the recommendations for almost all age gender groups. So again, we need a shift. To help support healthy eating patterns, most individuals would benefit from increasing their intake of fruits, mostly whole fruits in nutrient-dense forms. I wholeheartedly agree, Ed, and here's a simple suggestion. Why don't you try choosing more fruits as snacks, as side dishes, and as desserts in place of cakes, pies, cookies, donuts, ice cream, and candies? It will be a whole lot better for you. Now, 
Let's continue with our basic food groups and take a look at grains. Currently, the intake of total grains in North America is close to the target amounts for all age gender groups, but this intake does not meet the recommendations for whole grains and well exceeds the limits for refined grains. Oh, oh, what do we do now? Well, Ed, we need to shift our eating habits so that at least half of all grains we eat will be whole grains. Shifting from refined to whole grain versions of commonly consumed foods, such as from white to whole wheat breads, white to brown rice, and so on, it will be a whole grain better for you. Let's look now at dairy products. The average consumption of dairy for most age gender groups is below the recommendation levels, mm. so a shift is needed. Totally. But while most individuals would benefit by increasing dairy intake, however, let it be in fat-free or low-fat forms. Or there is an alternate that is better yet. Instead of cow's milk products, many families today are using soy milk or almond milk which have no animal fat or cholesterol. And they not only taste great, but are so much better for you. Since we are talking about dairy, here's a biggie, infant nutrition. Choosing how to feed your baby is an important decision that has lifelong effects for your baby and for you. Whether you definitely plan to breastfeed or you are still uncertain, consider the fact that your milk is the best milk for your baby. It is the ideal first food for your babies for several months. The mother's milk contains just the right balance of nutrients and it contains them in a form most easily used by the human baby's immature body systems. If you decide not to breastfeed but bottle feed instead or are unable to breastfeed, commercial iron fortified formulas can provide adequate nutrition for your infant. However, formula does not contain the immune factors that are in breast milk that can help prevent infections. Another critical point, Gina, is that we've known for some time that breastfed infants may be protected against obesity later on in life. You see, giving infants formula based on cow's milk presents an unusual situation. Cow's milk is designed to put nearly two pounds a day on a growing calf, 40 times the growth rate of human infants. Imagine that! Wow, that's amazing, Ed. No wonder the head of the Obesity Prevention Center at Boston's Children's Hospital and the chair of Harvard's Nutrition Department wrote an editorial recently to the American Medical Association's Pediatrics Journal questioning the role of cow's milk in human nutrition. He stated the obvious, that humans have no requirement for other animals' milk. In fact, Dairy may play a role in certain cancers due to the high levels of reproductive hormones in the cow's milk. Now, let's continue with our next basic food group, protein foods. The overall average intake of protein foods is close to amounts recommended for all age gender groups. However, there is still a need for a shift to increase the variety of protein food choices and to make more nutrient-dense choices. So, the 2015-2020 Dietary Guidelines for North Americans recommends a shift within the protein food group to increase the variety of protein foods. This includes 
incorporating legumes or nuts and seeds in mixed dishes and using fish in place of red meat and poultry. Lastly, let's address the importance of good fats. The average current intake of oils is below the recommendations for almost every age gender group. However, the intakes are not far off from the recommendations. But what is important is to shift from solid fats to good unsaturated vegetable oils. So individuals should use oils rather than solid fats in food preparation where possible. In conclusion, the 2015 to 2020 Dietary Guidelines focuses on the big picture in choosing a healthy eating pattern from across all food groups and when needed, shift to better and healthier foods to improve one's health. Well, Gina, I think now that we have first discovered the basic nutrients necessary to keep us strong and healthy, and second, the basic food groups, perhaps it will be important to learn more about how nutrition relates to our native culture. What do you think? Absolutely, Ed. The amazing thing is that when we look at the present eating habits of our native culture throughout the North American continent, Sadly, we can hardly tell any difference between us and that of the general population. Historically, Native people were constantly active. As hunter-gatherers, their lives depended on long hours of strenuous activity. Different tribes depended on completely different diets, which were in turn dependent on their environment. For example, recent studies have found that Natives living in cold northern climates such as Alaska regularly ate foods that are very high in saturated fat. This was healthy for them in part because of their constant exercise and in part due to genetic adaptation. But today, these same communities have become sedentary and are now seeing increased rates of diabetes and other degenerative diseases since turning to processed foods they get at the grocery store. What this goes to show is that a traditional native diet on its own hardly exists anymore. Having said that, today some individuals are trying to eat a Native American diet, which means making a point of eating foods that are indigenous to the Americas as a whole. If that is your case, you may also like to try living a clean lifestyle, which would mean no refined or overprocessed foods, no deep fat frying, no cigarettes, no alcohol, and exercising daily. You see, by reducing your intake of processed foods, exercising 20 minutes a day for three days a week, and taking in more fruits and vegetables, you'll reduce your risk of developing diabetes and keep your energy levels high. If you're looking for more structure, start with a list of foods that were historically a part of native diets. Here's a list to get you started. Corn, berries, pumpkin, mushrooms, beans, vegetables, fruits and nuts, seeds, wild game, and fish. Really, the foods that make up the original Native American diet are full of antioxidants, protein, carotenoids, and omega-3 fatty acids. This diet is great for boosting the immune system and improving heart health and even depression, which as we all know can lead to suicide. Now, here is an amazing recent discovery. In a recent study by the Department of Epidemiology and Community Medicine, University of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, with some 300,000 men suggest a potentially important role of a healthy diet in the prevention of depression and anxiety. 
Further studies show that lycopene, the red pigment predominantly found in tomatoes, but also present in watermelon, pink grapefruit, guava, and papaya, is the most powerful carotenoid antioxidant. In a test tube, it's about 100 times more effective at quenching free radicals than a more familiar antioxidant like vitamin E. Imagine that! So what does this all mean? Do people who eat more tomatoes have less depression? Apparently so. A study of about a thousand older men and women done by the Department of Epidemiology, School of Public Health, Tianjin Medical University, Tianjin, China, found that those who ate the most tomato products had only about half the rate of depression. Amazing! The researchers conclude that a tomato-rich diet may have a beneficial effect on the prevention of depressive symptoms. So you see, what you eat does make a difference in your life and health. Now, let's go to the third and last section of our study today. It seems that through the years, there is a constant come and go regarding food fads. So what can we do to avoid these food fads and rather follow food facts? Well, here is a very good food fact. The U.S. Department of Agriculture recently introduced a nutrition initiative called My Plate. The simplicity of the plate image was particularly praised. However, the Harvard Medical School introduced a better model of nutrition. It is called the healthy eating plate. This puts together for us the major classes of nutrients with all the basic food groups we need. It is simple and it provides the best eating choices. The main message of the healthy eating plate is to focus on diet quality. So when it comes time to make your meal, make the most of it. Here it goes. Put on your plate these foods. Vegetables and fruits should make up one half of your plate. Maybe a little more vegetables than fruits. Aim for color and variety. Potatoes and french fries don't count here. Next, whole grains should make up a quarter of your plate. Whole wheat, barley, wheat berries, quinoa, oats, brown rice, and foods made with them, such as whole wheat pasta. Next, protein power makes up another quarter of your plate. This may include fish, poultry, beans, and nuts, which are healthy, versatile protein sources. Limit red meat and avoid processed meats, such as bacon and sausage. Again, plant food-based proteins is what we personally recommend. Then, in moderation, choose healthy vegetable oils like olive, soy, corn, sunflower, peanut, and others, and avoid partially hydrogenated vegetable oils, which contain unhealthy trans fats. Drink water, herb tea, skip sugary drinks, and again limit milk and dairy products to one or two servings per day, if any. Remember, almond milk instead. Also, limit juice to a small glass per day. And very important, stay active. The red figure running across the healthy eating plates placemat is a reminder that staying active is also important in weight control. So, there you have it, friends. If we are serious about good nutrition, we must do this. We must be proactive. You see, our population is in trouble today. By one measure, more than 70% of the U.S. population age 15 and older is overweight or obese. Wow! 
Unfortunately, the cost of obesity-related medical treatments has skyrocketed to nearly $316 billion a year, and annual productivity losses due to work absenteeism is more than $8.6 billion. So friends, it is time to take the subject of proper nutrition seriously because you see, your life and health depend on it. What do you say? That's right, Tina. And not only does your life and health depend upon it, but that of your family as well. So it really pays to choose wisely when it comes to eating right. Eating healthy can be easy, tasty, and inexpensive if you stick to these simple guidelines. And remember, a plant-based food diet, which we highly recommend, can help reduce your risk of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and lots of other things you'd rather avoid. It's all about making smart choices to build an overall healthy dietary pattern. Well, Ed, it's time to say goodbye. Yes, it's time to say goodbye for now. Friends, we hope that this program on nutrition will be helpful to you and your family for a long time. So goodbye for now, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Native, Native New, New Health. Health.